0: Hey, this is Deck Burke, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection.
1: Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection episode number 37. For this episode, I spoke with Declan Burke. Deck was born in Limerick, Ireland, and moved to England as a teenager. He was brought up on melodic rock, but he fell in love with progressive rock. Deck's band, Darwin's Radio, made a splash in 2006 with a great debut album called Eyes of the World. That band put out two good records and played a great set at the 2007 Rights of Spring Festival, which I got to see, before they disbanded. He then caught on with the Prague supergroup Frost for that band's second album as well as a live recording. But Deck Burke has been a solo artist since 2010, and he just released his fourth solo album. Life in Two Dimensions in late September. I caught up with Deck recently to ask him about his background and his outstanding new record. Just as a reminder, you can follow Michael's Record Collection on Twitter at Mike's Records, and it's Michael's Record Collection on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please support the show at patreon.com slash Collection, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at michaelsrecordcollection.substack.com. You can even email me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com, so there's lots of ways for you to get involved. Now let's get to that Deck Burke interview. Here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm very happy to have with me today Deck Burke. Uh, Just got a new album out called Life in Two Dimensions. came out September 24th on Gravity Dream Music. And uh, Deck, thanks for your time today.
0: That's a pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me along, mate
1: so this is your fourth solo album came out with destroy all monsters in 2010 uh, paradigms and storylines the next year and then book of secrets in 2016 first in a few years you are a guy who is i think known in at least in progressive rock circles for your guitar work but rumor has it you started out as a keyboard player
0: uh yeah that's very that's very very true um well early years I, I grew up in Ireland before we moved to the UK um, musical family um, mum and dad played in uh, the Irish uh, show bands mm-hmm. uh, so we had we had a piano in the house and um, yeah. my grandparents they had a piano in the house and uh, they, they they were all that that side of the family were, were very very musical so you know as a kid I was just like pound on it and make make a racket and whatever but um, as, as the years went by I um, I, I just started to, you know, uh, pick it up and, and, and play it. Um, and my dad um, had a keyboard in, in the house um, because he was playing with a, with a band for a period of time and they had a, he did a little bit of keyboard playing. Um, and I just latched onto it and, and loved it. Um, and it was the 80s and I loved all of that music. And um, But, but the, the transition really was um, I was in a record shop um, in Limerick where I'm from in Ireland and um, they had this section where albums where they had damaged covers so it was just in the white inner sleeve mm-hmm. and in there it, it's, it had this record and it said Van Halen and I thought ah oh, jump I'll, I'll get that but I got it home and it was the first Van Halen album so very nut jump. not jump uh, and, not jump and i put it on and i just it just blew my mind and i thought what is this and i couldn't believe this was a guitar making these noises and i thought forget the keyboards i want to do this so um i worked all, all uh summer uh saved up my money uh bought a guitar for 60 pounds and um uh, and taught myself you know just sat in front of the record player and then my dad was like i can show you how to play some chords No, like, nope i'm doing this myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that was that was how that, that's how it all kicked off
1: how old were you when you moved from ireland to uh, england uh eight, 89 so i was uh, 17
0: okay. 17 yeah
1: yeah so you you, you say you grew up in a theatrical family, a musical family. What was the first sort of pop rock that you became aware of as a kid? Uh,
0: it, in the house, um, well, my mum my was, was, was really big on, on buying records. So her particular taste was uh, Abba, Rita Coolidge, um, Eagles, all of that stuff. So it was, it was all very, very melodic mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I think that's what always sort of stuck in my head. I, I became a sucker for a, a song, whatever the genre, as long as it had a good melody. That was that was the thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas my dad on the other side, he was listening to things like you know, Thin Lizzy and uh, Horse Lips and all, all of these great Irish rock groups. Um, so there was this sort of yin and, yin and yang between the two, um, but that's how it started. But then of course, you know, um, and it's weird, you should actually say it, Michael, because um, we were watching a thing on TV the other night and it was um, music of the eighties. And and some, I think it was Nick Kershaw said it, um, and it was something I've long said, it was just the music of the eighties, and it's purely my opinion, um, no two groups sounded like each other, you know, so like soft Cell. Didn't sound like Duran Duran, and Aha didn't sound like Eurythmics, and you know they all did their thing. Yeah. But at the same time, they just had their uh, really melodic value. You know, don't bore us, get to the chorus, <laughs> that kind of thing. And uh, that that was a huge that that had a huge impact on me as well.
1: I completely agree with that. I think '80s music, and, and it's probably a. A little bit of a bias for me i'm a few years older than you and i you know my my high school years were the 80s and i i think that music was a little bit all over the map and i think especially in this country uh largely mtv was responsible for that because they were just playing whatever videos they had to start with and they would they would play an iron maiden and then they would play a you know a a gary newman cars and that kind of thing so it, it was it was a little bit all over the place um Coming out of the 70s. I first became aware of your music in 2006 when you were with Darwin's Radio. In fact I saw you at, in 2007 at the Rights of Spring Festival okay um, that, wow. I was there um wow. that was my I, that was my first rock, <clears throat> rock festival so um so there thank you for being there and, and playing <laughs> um but you guys had two really solid albums with Darwin's radio um eyes of the world and template for a generation what happened to Darwin's radio
0: um what? I, I think it was just a, a combination of things. Um, you know, I think i would got to a point where I either really wanted to do it or, hey, let, let's, not, let's not bother. Um, and we just done Template for a Generation and off the back of that album... Um, what was it before that? No, actually, it was before that. It was the first album. Um, IQ became interested in Mark as a potential new keyboard player. Um, I'd been talking to Jem Godfrey about potentially doing some project with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time template came out, I was like, guys, come on, let's really go and do this. You know, we, we, we played a great festival in, in the U S at the right of spring. Feedback was really good. And it's I, I kind of felt, okay, well, let's, let's go all in. Let's really, really do this. And I just kind of felt, and it, again my opinion you know i just kind of felt that the guys weren't they didn't want to do that they were happy to play saturday night somewhere or did it and i thought mm-hmm. no you know we we've got some really great material here you know there's this there's, there's a bit of a buzz happening let's just get out there and do this mm-hmm. and it just wasn't happening um and then by that time i just recorded with frost and then that was a busy band so i was like Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it sounds like you, you were ready to take that next step um, musically and everybody else was happy to have their day jobs and, and just, uh, you know, they, yeah. they wanted a paycheck and you wanted to, you wanted to go move forward, yeah. I guess. Let's talk about Frost a little bit. How did you and Jem hook up and how did you, become a member of frost for the experiments in mass appeal album and then you you were at Rosfest again because you had a live album from that the philadelphia experiment
0: yeah um i get well i sort of uh (laughs) i drove him crazy i think but basically what had happened was um 2006 uh, eyes of the world was out and we, we at the time were just on every uh internet forum trying to to plug the fact that, hey, we're a new band, we've got an album out. A few places, I'd seen some comments uh from, from this guy called Jem Godfrey. I didn't know who he was. Um, and he said, you know, really like this album, love the singing, blah, blah, blah. And Mark actually said to me, You you know who this guy is, done not And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. And then he explained, I thought, like, wow, this is absolutely fantastic. So I was like straight on there, you know, hey man, thanks so much for all of the 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 great you know feedback really appreciated that's fantastic and um and they they were doing a show down in london i think it was december 2006 from memory because i'm pretty sure it was the run to christmas and flower kings were the support act so i thought oh and, and yeah and the band was splitting up so they'd done this album they'd done some gigs in europe they'd come back and jen was like okay, this is the end of frost. Um, I thought, Oh, what a shame. I'm going to go and see them then before they, they, they're gone. Mm -hmm. So I went to London, they did their support thing. Um, we went out to the bar afterwards and, uh, getting a drink. And then the band were there, John, the other John, Andy and, and, and Jim. And, uh, and I thought, I've got to go up and say hello. So I walked up and said, hey, Jen I'm, I'm Deck from Darwin's Radio. Just wanted to say thanks for, you know, um, all the kind words. He says, oh, no, no, we need to have a chat. I'm doing this project called Dear Dead Days.
2: Everybody got an explanation For a world that is has lost sensation Nothing saves the feelings we forgot
0: In doing something on it, I'm like, yeah, 100. You know, just tell me when. And um it was the days of space actually. Yeah. And on the on the on the page, it was like uh, jem Godfrey, and I remember I signed in and had a look one day, and it was jem Godfrey, Deck Burke. I was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And a few mm-hmm. days went, Andy Edwards, and it, and all. Eventually, it was all of the Frost guys, but with me, and I was like. Right, so this is going to be Frost again, but with me involved. Um, yeah, right. So then, then the demos uh, for the for the new album started to come around, and I thought this is just amazing music. And um, and predominantly, uh, my, my role in the group was as as a singer, um, which I was maybe a little bit uncomfortable about, as I've I've always been someone who, I, I classify myself as a guitar player that sings rather than being a singer that plays guitar. Okay. Um, so you know, and then. But it was an opportunity to, you know, to be to be part of it. So I um, went went down, and the recording process for the whole thing was was such great fun. I don't think I've ever laughed so much in my whole life. We'd we'd a week booked out to do the the vocals, and I think we'd done them in about two and a half days. And then I did a few little electric guitar bits and some acoustic guitars, and then we just went to the pub. <laughs> it was, that's my memory of that of that album. Um, yeah. And then. We went out and we, we gigged. So yeah, that, that sort of long story. That's how that came to be.
1: Yeah. So Dear Dead Days was the, he initially thought that was the project name. It ended up becoming my favorite song on that album. That's a, that's a tremendous song.
0: Oh, amazing. Amazing. He's, he, I mean, Jem is, is, he's a gifted songwriter, but then he's got all of the, the producer Sensibilities as well. It's like he knows how something should sound, and mm-hmm. he can do that with all of the instruments. And it's, you know, I've been in the studio watching him work, and it's just the speed is just incredible. No, actually, that needs that <laughs> done. It's like wow, yeah. amazing. So yeah, yeah. And Jem's the, the the
1: the thing about Jem too is that he's got this ability, and he, you know, he's he's running some pretty high circles, and then he wanted to do the kind of music that he loved and it's not a, it's not a, it's not a high selling popular type of music, but he said, this is what I want to do. And he went and did it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And and, and did, did an amazing job with it. You know, really? I think it, it really shook up the whole prog fraternity. I, I guess it's, it is quite a small pool. And then you've got all of these almost sub genres within prog. And I think, you know, he had a vision for what he felt I'm putting words in his mouth. Here of what he thought it should be, and and he did it, and, and he did it with a poem. So
1: it's yeah, amazing. So, Frost has had some some releases since then. What were you were you just busy working on your own stuff? Or were were you just not interested in continuing with Frost as just a, primarily a singer? What happened there?
0: Um. Okay, so it was the, we'd done some support shows with Dream Theatre, and then after that, there was the live album, and then we did, um, oh, what's the song? The, 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 The Dividing Line as a studio track on that album. And i think at the time i just you know i i felt that the dynamic with with frost was very much between jem and john and I, and that was was the group and i and um it, you know it, it's jem's baby and as great as it was to be part of it i i kind of wanted to just take a run and see look can i do this me you know but by, by, by myself can i can i just do it and and take a run up the flagpole and see if it works or not and I guess I kind of had to do that and I think at the time as well you know um, Jem wanted to continue with the group as a a four-piece you know more of uh, him handling vocals John handling vocals and there wasn't a need for a second guitarist so Mm -hmm. I think all of that came to a, a point and it was in a period where Frost was quite inactive there wasn't you know, okay, okay, that album had happened but I don't think there were, were many gigs There so there's a period of time where, where, where things weren't going on and it kind of just faded away and I, I went and did and when Jem started back up he he got back in. and then of course John Jarrett wasn't involved anymore um, Andy had gone by then as well um, and um, you know so I, th- th- they they continued doing that and I'm and did my thing so he every every now and again i'll i'll I'll, I'll, um get an email or speak to to gem online but it's you know busy people just doing different things but it was amazing he was absolutely amazing to be part of it yeah
1: well i i tell you your your first solo album destroy all monsters was one of my favorite albums that year tell me a little bit about how that came about in terms of like, when you started to record this, it, it had to be kind of a little bit daunting to say, I'm, I'm going to go do my first solo album.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I think it was, um, I didn't know very much about recording, you know, I I bought the stuff. I tried to do it myself. Um, I think there's some great songs on there, but um, I was never happy with the, the, the mix and how it, it came to pass. Mm-hmm. So it's funnily enough, I'm actually in the process now of reimagining a lot of, uh, of, of those songs and I'm actually going to share some bits on online work in progress, not like, okay, here's the finished thing. Oh here's yeah. where I've got to today with this, stick it on, see what people think about it and, and get back to do it. So yeah, it was it was very, very daunting. Um, and I don't think it was until um, the second album where uh, the guys from Carpentry in Sweden um, were saying, "Hey, look, you know, do, do you need do you need some help with with the next one? What, what songs have you got?" And I said, "Well, to be honest, I don't. I haven't got a lot. I've got three or four. And uh, Stefan contacted me and just said, "Look, get get some songs together that you would classify to be an album and send them to me, and I'll start producing it," um, which is what happened. And that's how the the second album came to be Mm -hmm. um so yeah sorry I've I've digressed from your original question
1: that's fine that's that's fine I I was just I was just curious you know as to you know when you you have been in a band situation for a while and then you go out and do your first solo album there's always has to be some kind of
0: yeah
1: how am I going to do this kind of you know Mm -hmm. absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. it was yeah fear factor times a (laughs) hundred yeah so let's take a a, a a walk through this life in two dimensions albums, brand new album. Uh, you produced it. So obviously you must have learned something from doing your first three albums. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I Well, I think, you know, with, with the, with, with the first three, I think there's a, there's a progression and I kind of got to the point with book of secrets where I really just wanted to take a hold of it and say, look in my mind, this is how I'm hearing it. And this is how I want it to sound. Um, and I needed I needed that um, outside ear mixer that could say okay, well tell me what you're hearing and I'll realise it for you. Uh, and that's what I found w- with Robin. Um, you know, I got I got chatting to him quite by chance actually on on online and uh, and he said, look, you know, I've got a little label as well. You know, get on board with me. I'll do the mixing for you. You you know you you tell me what your vision is for it. What how how are you hearing it? Um, and the album. Um, started, funnily enough, because I, I play with a, a Dutch group called Dilemma.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they'd come over from Holland at the beginning of 2020, so just before lockdown had uh, uh, kicked in. And we'd done a couple of weeks here, um, we, and we wrote the new D- Dilemma album at my studio here. Um, and then the guys went away, um, and I, I'd sort of torn my studio apart and set it up in such a way that, okay, we can have the drums over there and the keyboards there, and you know. And so it was all set up. Um, and I thought well I'm, I'm still kind of feeling um, you know inspired to write music so I kind of left things the way they were and I assumed the, the keyboard guy over here to do that bit and then I was the guitar player and just started writing and the songs started coming um, and uh, at the same time I was chatting to Scott Hyam and he said oh you know if you've got any ideas send them over and see, see what you I'll I'll give you some feedback. And he he loved the music. So, you know, it was like, well, okay, I I need, I need, I need a drummer. Um, uh, And he he was great. You know, he was uh, so um, upbeat, enthusiastic, wanting us to do, you know, a a great album. So it it was great having Scott as another fresh pair of ears. So I basically demoed everything here to a point where I thought, okay, that's kind of what I would like. And then I sent All the files to to Robin and he started to mix it and then we were were back and forth on the music stuff but then I guess from a lyrical kind of point of view um the, the the title track came along right at the end so I had all the all the music and I kind of felt the album needs another song you know it just does it didn't it didn't feel complete and uh the the melody just came to me one morning and I was putting the demo down and as I'm doing scat vocals, you know, it's la 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 la, this is where the, the vocal will be. Life, the, the line, life in two dimensions came out just as a life, and, two, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because it kind of sums up how things are in the world right now where you've got, you know, we still need to get on and do what we need to do, but there's this whole other horrible thing happening in the world and people are, you know, just, you know, it, it's, it's not very nice. of felt like that people were living in two different dimensions to everything and how how, kind of put myself in the driving seat of you know okay well how would our character feel about all of this and it was the guy who's you know wake up at the start of day you know my mind's going how do i feel about all of this and uh, how things on unravel and 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 thematically that that's kind of in other songs across the album but then you know there's there's other themes, things that drive me bananas like just endless advertising i mean i swear to god like i'll make a cup of coffee this you know and it's like dick making a cup of coffee sponsored by nescafe an and like it's enough enough we get it it's you know it's just advertising gone mad so that that that's a pet peeve of mine so i thought i've got to write a right song about that um and um at the, at the tail end of 2019 um I, I lost my dad um so it was a really horrible period and then of course you know my mum thanks michael um my mum my was all of a sudden living by herself and because of lockdown i couldn't go over and give her a hug mm. so that was on my mind so uh, five with broken wings is is, is about that okay. um so all of these different themes
1: yeah you you mentioned that you talked about the lockdown a little bit how much of this album was written and recorded during during that lockdown period it was all of it all of it yeah so mm. they
0: Um, I think I started, would have been um, probably about March 2020. And then it was written and done by, I'd say, early, well, end end of July, early August. And I had all the bits and then it was like from August to maybe September, putting it all together. And then who am I going to get to play on it and contacting musicians? And then this time I was talking to um, Robin at the, the, the end of 2020. And then he started to mix it beginning of um, February 21. Um, And then it just, we needed to get it ready for the certain slots where you would release an album so we were trying to think, okay, where, where it's going to be best place, and it was like, well, it's going to be September. I was like, oh, really? So like, the album was like done for months, and I'm like, I can't, I want to play this for people, and I can't play it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's boy, that's that's that would be the the worst. I mean, Tom Petty said the waiting is the hardest part, right? So yeah, 100. <laughs> uh, percent Let's tell people who you're talking about. So Robin Armstrong is uh, from Gravity Dream. He um, mixed and mastered this. You wrote all the songs. Artwork was done by Robin Z. You did electric and acoustic guitars, keyboards, vocals, drum programming uh, on the song Energy. Scott Hyam, people will know from uh, Pendragon, I believe he was in time with uh, Pendragon. He he did the drumming uh, and percussion. Uh, Rainier Siemens uh, on bass. Guillerme Aguiar on bass on trapdoor and cello on this time. Christopher Gildenlow did bass on a couple of songs. I, you know, I have to tell you, it's. I think it's Steely Dan is the only other band I know that that uses this many bass players on an album. <laughs>
0: it's it's really it's really odd actually how, how that came to be. Um, because uh, Guillaume was going to do bass on the album, full stop. And uh, be, because of commitments, he couldn't. But by then, he'd done like the cello on um, uh, on this time, and he'd done Trap Door, which I thought that's just uh, f- amazing. We've got to got to keep that. And then Ryan here contacted me and said, Deca, look, if you need help with bass playing, you know, I'm, I'm here. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I I need I need someone to do the bass. And then Chris was working on his album, and he said, oh, I'd love to hear some of your demos from, from the new album. So I was sending them over. because oh, I can imagine a great bass line on this. And I was like, okay, well, can you send me? And what he'd sent on some of the songs, like, that's exactly what that needs. So in the end, yeah, there was three bass players. And I was like, wow. Hey, yeah, you intended to have one. <laughs>
1: Um, Robin Z did the piano intro to Paper Fortress. Yeah, uh, beautiful uh, piano intro to that song. And and uh, did Robin Armstrong also do some backing vocals on this?
0: Yeah, ap- apparently so. I mean, all, all the stuff went across, and uh, he, you know, he he's a producer in his own right with what he does with Cosmograph. Mm-hmm. So he came back to me with some of the songs and said, "Deck, I was hearing this on there. What do you think?" And I was, "Sounds great." Keep, yeah, keep it yeah. you know, there's no point in me re- redoing it. so I said, brilliant, you know, keep, keep it in there. Um, mm.
1: yeah. Are all the other harmonies
0: yours? all the, all, all the vocals I believe are, are me yeah 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 okay. he, I think Robin may have done one or two bits, but i'm I can't I'm struggling to hear hear, hear it, but I think it's just me.
1: <laughs> okay. It's funny, you, your story about life in two dimensions because I don't know how many times I've heard stories about musicians who said, We need one more song for the album, and then they they come up with something, and it ends up being the best thing on the album. And you you obviously felt strongly about this, uh, at least the phrase, because you named the album after it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really peculiar. It's um, because what happens is, well, what I find anyway is that you have a collection of songs, and you listen back to them, and you go, okay, right, is this a group of songs that will sit together? Because sometimes you you'll write songs, you go, okay, that's so different to that like i can't see how that will fit so then mm-hmm. you'll kind of maybe i'll keep that for something else and you keep writing but the, the the group of songs i felt you know strung together quite well but i needed something that and i had the sort of running order in mind but i needed something that was that kapow opening track yeah. and i didn't feel it was there yet um and um i just uh, it, it just, well, the, the melody just came along and I was like, yeah, okay, that's it, that's it. Yeah.
1: So this Life in Two Dimensions is a great opener because it's got that, that energetic opening. It, it gets you going, that the riff oh, cool. backed by, like it's like a subtle keyboard underneath this guitar riff. It's just, it makes it pop even more and yeah. it's, it's a tremendous opener. And then you, you go into Emergency, which is kind of has this kind of otherworldly keyboard sound in the intro we <music> a bit of an electronic sheen to it almost and mm. tell me about the guitar solo with the with the harmony is did you play that is that an effect did you play two different solos on top of each other you know just in you know one with higher than the other yeah yeah so um,
0: i haven't got a harmonizer um so i just double double tracked it um and then sometimes it's it, the the melody suggests something to you and i, I guess you know we we're talking earlier about thin Lizzy. You know, that that sort of stuff is something that's long sat with me, you know, that two guitar melody thing. And we did it for a time with Frost as well, between myself and John, where you, know, you do the, the the lead lines together. Um, so, yeah, that that's happened quite a, a bit on this album. I think actually more than any of the albums I've done before, there's a lot of um, double, doubled up. Some more obvious than others. Others you might not necessarily think it, but there's others like, yeah, well, that's definitely there's two there yeah (laughs)
1: um everybody did all of this in their home studios
0: um everything except for the drums so scott recorded the drums at thin ice so that's Carl groom's studio so you carl from um uh threshold Mm -hmm. uh clive nolan um i I think it's their studio that they run together so scott went down and recorded it there um you know carl's on an old friend, and he's got a fantastic ear for how things should sound. Yeah, he does. Uh, because, because of the lockdown, I couldn't go down there. So it was like Scott went down and, and recorded it um, with, with with Carl, um, just so that there wasn't too many bodies in the room. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, he knocked it out of the park. Absolutely amazing drumming.
1: Yeah, great drummer. So Sister X has a great sing-along chorus, got some guitar crunch into it. and a killer solo I wanted to kind of pick your brain on guitar soloing because some of these songs have two or even three guitar solos in them do you just build room in for these solos or does it is it something that you you've put down and you you kind of have been you know sort of just jamming on your own and you think I got to put this somewhere How, how do you construct a song with the solos in there
0: yeah, that, that, that's a good question. I, I was thinking with this album, you know, that I didn't think the whole, like so many people, that the whole COVID thing would, would drag on for so long. Mm-hmm. So while I was writing this, I was imagining, OK, well, live, how is it going to be? And I, I find with it a lot of times when I get out, I feel very tethered to the microphone that I'm in one spot yeah i'm trying to imagine okay well when we go back out and play again it would be great that i'm just not always there doing the bad dad dance um <laughs> get away from the mic and do a bit so and a couple of reasons to do that would be if you've got a, a solo bit to sort of interact a with the other musicians and for the crowd um but i think as well with a, with a lot of the songs on the album there's a real sort of energy upbeat feel to them and it kind of felt to me you know let's let's get a great chorus in there let's get a cool guitar solo maybe another outro solo and maybe you know just to keep that you know up tempo because as as much as the the themes maybe for the for the album in some songs are even a little somber the the energy of the music counteracts that and I, i was trying to think okay well then when we um present that on the stage how is that going to look and whatever so I wanted it to be you know when you look at it there's a bit more movement rather than one guy st- stood there so that that's kind of the reason why yeah.
1: it's interesting that you just talked talked about upbeat and you just talked about being able to play live and now we're going to talk about a song that's a ballad that's got cello in it and it's not an upbeat song this time which is is still I think for me one of the album highlights
2: This time, I'm falling to pieces This time, I'm falling to pieces This time This time
1: How do you write a song and then think, this needs cello?
0: Well, I mean, I would love to take the credit for that because it is just an, ast- a, an astounding bit of playing. And the melody is just, you know, as a melody lover, um, it's amazing. And I sent the song to, um, he, he, he goes by the, um, the name Ghost, so we call him Ghost. Uh, okay. And uh, I sent him that and he sent that back and I was just jaw on the floor I just thought that is just the most beautiful thing I've ever heard and he came up with that and I think he's there's a couple two or three melodies intertwining with it all Mm -hmm. and he just came up with that and sent it back and I was just like this is amazing um we're keeping that (laughs) that's going (laughs) on yeah so yeah yeah that, that that's him 100% um you know and i had to say it on the credits as well it's like you know that was performed and written by him you know he's he's done that
1: when you put something like that on your album though how much do you worry how are can't, we can't play this live or or is is it gonna am i gonna have to take an extra person on the you know out with us so that kind of thing yeah
0: that is a really good question i'm still wondering what what to do about that you know <laughs> when, we, when we go out and do it um we might have to just. I don't know, I'm still playing
1: around with it in my head. How does that yeah. happen? You might have I'm, to strip I'm, it like, down or something. Perhaps uh, yeah. 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 this goes right into, you know, you come out of this time and I love the contrast here with the with the running order. You've got sunlight come next, which is it's a rocker. It has almost a Middle Eastern flavor to the chorus and, and to some of the music in it. wondered what you were listening to what was inspiring you at the time well
0: i i, I teach guitar um to to get me by <laughs> um and with some students uh they they're very interested in theory and uh modal approaches to to stuff um and i think at that point i was teaching somebody um fr- the, the modes and he, he was quite interested in fr- the phrygian mode which has got that sort of uh eastern quality to it, and he, he, He was was getting to grips with that. Um, And we'd done a few lessons concentrating on that. And I think that kind of stuck in my head. And then when the riff came up, I was hearing that would fit with it. So Mm -hmm. total accident.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I don't want to go through every track by track, but I did want to point out Fly With Broken Wings Stylistically, this song stands a little bit apart from all the other songs, and you you've already touched on the you know sort of what went into that uh, thematically. The verses are sort of a ballad set over like it's what sounds like a kind of an R and B beat. Um, yeah, and I was wondering too what you were influenced by you know <sighs> with, with regard to that.
0: These are really great observations, Michael. It's, it's almost like you were here. Um, I, that's, a, that's a fantastic question. I'm really glad you, you asked that. There's a, an English group called Massive Attack. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of them, yeah. but uh, they, they, they did this song where it had that sort of feel to the, to the, the music of it. Um, and I wrote that song on piano um, and it was just the dang ding, ding. And I wanted to keep the piano so basic, like no embellishments, just chord to chord, mm-hmm. really yeah. straightforward. And that sort of beat just um, uh, suggested itself. So when I sent the song to, to Scott to, to um, you know, what, what do you think, well, you know, uh, rhythm-wise on this, um, I had like a really bad programmed drum beat to it to say, this is the kind of thing. And he came back with exactly what I was thinking about from that massive attack song. And it, it just it, it fitted in with it. So it was like, yeah, that's that's perfect. And for the for the verses on that, it's more like it's almost like a um it's like a prayer almost. It's every, every verse is like, you know, help me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then every every line is help me and, yeah. and so on. So it did fit with that. It was it it was almost like um What's that porcupine tree song? Um, collapse the earth.
1: The oh yeah, wild. collapse the light into earth.
0: Where it just like builds and builds and builds and builds. I'd love that. that. That was just um, so that 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 kind of influences in there, yeah. in its own way. Yeah,
1: lyrically, you talked about the help me, and I wondered too: is is the are the lyrics on this album indicative of your mindset during the last year? Uh, or were you trying to get in more of a metaphorical space where you're, you're trying to be every man, or was it a combination of the two?
0: It, it was very much a combination of the two, you know, it, it was an incredibly hard year for me and Hey, who didn't have a hard year? You know, it was, it was just, it was difficult, you know, Hey, we're in the situation now. Okay. Right. So there is an element of that in it without a doubt. Um, you know, and, um, you know personally had a a lot of stuff to contend with um that was was in in your face and it it wasn't it wasn't nice but then at the same time i wanted to have songs where it was like i was writing from the point of view of a character like life in two dimensions is you know Mm -hmm. it's a a notional person uh trapdoor is a is the story of a kid who wants to you know be more than just you know, he goes to school and when he leaves, he works at the factory and that's what he does. He, he wants to be something else. So, you know, I'm I'm writing that from the viewpoint of, okay, well, what would his journey be like? So yeah, it, it's absolutely, it's, a, it's a meld of um, story writing and how, how I was feeling.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause when I'm, I'm listening to the lyrics and I'm thinking, it sounds like, I really would like to give Deck a hug and tell him everything's going to be all right because he sounds like <laughs> he's had a tough time. Yeah. Um, Paper Fortress, we talked about the beautiful uh, piano intro. That uh, Did that idea originate with Robin? Did you ask for that? Uh, how did that come about?
0: Yeah, I, I did. And, and he wrote that. Um, I said, you've got free reign. I said, we need um, like a, a beautiful, about a minute long piano intro into this because I was here because the song just comes straight in. And it. I just felt that that was a little bit too sudden and it needed that sort of closing into it and then bang um and uh he said what 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 is, and i said you just have a have a think and tell me what you like and he'd done a few uh pieces and uh, he was putting them together and he sent me what ended up on the album cross first he said okay i've got this one and as he was sent you're gonna send me the other i was like that's it that that's that's exactly what i had in, in my mind and a few other bits he had as well were, were absolutely beautiful but this you know, it spoke, you know, that's, that's what needed to be on there. So yeah, he, uh, he completely came up with that. He went to his friend's studio in, in Amsterdam and recorded it there on a beautiful piano and, um, and sent it across. So yeah. yeah that's
1: great. These uh, There's some crunchy guitars in here with, again, this is one of those songs I was talking about before there's, I counted at least what three solos in there. And the, the, the second one is this really, soaring thing that's just really great and and then the ending has this has this layering of guitar parts it sounds like you've got electric and acoustic both going at the end of that is that in there on on which song is this on uh, paper fortress at the end on paper, yes
0: absolutely yes it's um it, it's something i'll always do with um clean guitars is i'll play it on acoustic and then i'll do a left and right on an electric guitar and then in in the box, then add in chorus and delay. So you have like the the dry, clean acoustic, which is sort of pushed up the front, and then you bring in the electric left and right, that sort of hugs it, uh, and it, it gives it this sort of big three D sound. And it's like sometimes you're not sure is it that acoustic, is that electric? What am I supposed to be? But it's it comes across as like one one thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I really I think that worked really well for you. You. You saved the two longest songs for the last two songs on the album. You just had had to show people you're still still a progressive rock guy. Yeah. A couple couple longer songs. The last (sighs) one's almost 10 minutes long, but I have to tell you, and this is a big compliment when you you hear this, a 10-minute song that doesn't feel like it lasts 10 minutes.
0: Cool. Thanks. Thanks.
1: it's really you know i think a testament anytime you can put down a 10 minute song that that you go wait that's 10 minutes already that's yeah i think that's a good sign that 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 it's holding your attention and 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 keeping it for the full uh for the full time of the of the song
0: i'm I'm blaming spock's beard for that one uh and (laughs) and and rush as well it's very heavily rush influenced but um I, i i saw spock's beard in london once and uh uh, actually, Mark took me down. He said, "You got to see this band. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just incredible." And uh, I felt that with their show, it was like these are long songs, clearly, but they're not. They didn't feel like I was there for fifteen minutes listening to this. It's, yeah, you know, how
1: do you do that? <laughs> <That's pretty> <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> so, was this during the Neil when Neil Morse was still in the band?
0: It was. It, well, actually, I saw Neil with the band in uh, Nottingham. It must have been about ninety-nine, two thousand. They were supporting Dream Theater on the um, Scenes okay. from Memory album. And that was the last tour I think he did with Spox. And then the next time I saw them, um, it was uh, Nick's first, um, I was thinking as the singer, and He did yeah. an amazing job with that, yeah.
1: So Nick I've seen Virgilio? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Nick is now with, uh, with Big Big Train. It's just a tremendous band also. Um, yeah. uh, you mentioned... Rush, you mentioned Spock's beard. I would like to talk a little bit more about your musical influences because you are, you know, your your music is often filed under progressive rock, but you have, I think, a fresh, modern approach to progressive rock. So who are some of the people who influence you in terms of, of your sound?
0: I think... Um... Fundamentally, it, it's the it's the melody aspect, you know. I, I like I like it to be melodic, um, and I think a lot of that probably comes from eighties influences, and you can probably hear that in the music. I you know I, 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 I make no apology, you know. If some of the songs do sound a bit eighties. I don't care, you know. That, that's what that's what it is. So there, there is that element in there as well. But then at the same time, there's a lot of really great new bands out. You know, um, the, there's a Danish group um, that I just can't get enough of right now. They're called Vola and uh, super, super heavy bands. You, you need to, if you've not heard the Michael, you really need, need to check these guys out. And, um, but super melodic as well. So I hear stuff like that and that's tremendously inspiring. Uh, you know, I, I love, I love to, to hear stuff like that. But I've got so many musician friends and we're always talking and going. Have you seen or have you heard such and such? And you know, you're in, you, you're sending stuff along. And oftentimes, you think afterwards, you oh, know, I can't even remember what that band was, but the 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 germ, the seed of what they stand for, sort of sticks in your head mm-hmm. um, as as a writer, and you, you kind of remember that, and you kind of think, God, oh, who's that band? Who, 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 Again, you you forget, but then others will 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 um, stick stick in your mind more readily. But you know. Um, Certainly, love groups like Rush, um, Dream Theater were were um, a big influence. Maybe more, a few years back, maybe not so much these days. Um, Frost wasn't was, was an influence very much. You know, I, I love what Jem uh, was and still is doing with the music; it's fantastic. Um, and then I, you know, I'm I, I love old groups like uh, Depeche Mode. You know, stuff like that. Um, that the the way that they Produce uh, come at something that's a little bit more um, uh, electronic, but still got the rocks. If you've, you've seen any of the live stuff, you know they've got the the live drummer rhythm, um, but it's still got the electronic feel. So it's it's almost like little bits of everything. But, oh, I like that aspect. Oh, I like that aspect, and I kind of gather it all together, and and it it ferments. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, it becomes Deck Burke. I, I always am interested in people who create music in their listening habits. And it sounds like you still at least go to shows. Do you have a, a, do you have a record collection? Do you listen to CDs? Do you listen on on uh, the streaming services? How do you consume music?
0: Uh, yeah, th- actually that's, that's a really good question again, because I was talking to some friends about this recently and it's I think the way that people do consume music these days is just, it's like a step change in what was. Um, and I'm very much uh, of the old school where I, I love the product. I love to like with a vinyl open open it and look at it and smell it and and, and see the artwork and where, where you know what's the studio oh, look at that I love all of that and even with a with a CD you know I'll I'll sit there and just soak up all of all of that aspect of it. I don't have a Spotify account. Um, someone made one for me, and I think the label I put my stuff on there. But I I I just I don't I don't get it and i don't i certainly don't subscribe to it um but i'm so i'm definitely more of of the old school where you know i believe that you know band go in the studio they make an album you go and you buy it you know you don't you don't you don't go online and get it for free uh, yeah it, it, yeah it's my it's my opinion and i'm sure, I'm sure people will, will shoot me down for saying it but it's just i kind of i kind of think you know if you if you went to a restaurant you had a great meal you, you have to pay for it if you didn't pay for it you, you, you'd go to jail <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it goes the same way with music it's it you know first pair.
1: yeah i think for me you know i'm i'm like you i'm a i'm a physical media guy i have my cd collection you see some of them back here i've got my yeah. lps um i think mm-hmm. that a lot of people do the streaming services out of convenience you can you can carry around your phone with you and then you have uh every song ever written (laughs) and uh i i do have a spotify subscription i bought the premium thing and i pay every month because i'm i'm hopeful that some small part of that at least will reach the artists even though it should be a larger cut um i nobody nobody from spotify has ever asked me i'm certainly willing to pay more to make sure that all of the people i play get more but um they don't they don't distribute it properly they don't distribute enough of it and and it's just lining someone's pockets at that it's not the the creator of the music's pockets so so that part is upsetting but um you know this this day and age i'm just trying to do whatever i can even if that's a small thing i will say darwin's radio not being on there is, is is a bummer but then I just I have it ripped on my computer anyway, so I just put it on my phone. And I can listen to it out of my my phone anyway. So. <laughs> cool, cool. It's cool. Um, so, where can people get your album? I, I noticed that it's available to buy digitally on Amazon here in the U.S., but I think you have to like order from like Burning Shed or from uh, from the label, um, yeah. Gravity Dream Music. Um, is it available anywhere else?
0: Um, I believe there's a number of uh, distributors in Europe for, for people in Europe, but for the US, I think it is, if you want the physical copy, I think it is just from, from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, the digitally, it's, it's available um, on Amazon. Um, I, I, let me check that actually, Michael. And if, if it's, in, if it's otherwise, I'll, I'll send you a text and let you know, but I think that's okay. the, the way it is. Yeah.
1: Is this ever going to be available on vinyl?
0: Um, I think, I, know I think it's expensive. It is. It's so expensive, um, and I, I did it with one of my old albums. Um, and um, I think I think if the if the CD sells enough, you know, we we can justify it. But it's a big it's a big outlay. And to be honest, you know, I'm I am a really really small fish in a in a, in a big in a big pond. It's it's very hard to compete with some of the the, the 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 bigger guys who you know they can go out there can do the bigger shows and they know they're going to sell x amount of merch. I guess at my level, it's very, very difficult to, to justify it. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be stuck with the stock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, deck, you don't have an actual, like a, a, an artist website, right? It's, it's just through, you got a Facebook and stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I need, well, yeah, I need, I need to, to put the, I did have a website. Um, and, and I took it down cause I was using the website predominantly for my teaching. Um, mm-hmm. and I kind of got to a stage with word of mouth where I live that, I, I kind of didn't need it but then i guess foolishly i took it down but then there's the aspect of people trying to find out who you are that they could, they can't find you you know if they're not on facebook then they don't find you so i i i'm planning about putting a new new site together but at the moment i don't Whoops.
1: Yeah, that's fine Things are loosening up a little bit as far as restrictions. Are you going to be able to tour? Do you have a band ready to go out with you?
0: Yeah. Well, um, Dilemma, the the Dutch group that I play with, we've got two gigs scheduled for April next year. Um, One in Holland, one in Germany. Um, And I'm kind of waiting to see how that goes because both of these have already been delayed twice. So I want to see what the, the delay of the land looks like with those and how that goes off and then it'll give me an idea of what to do with with this. Um but the plan is if I can get out, I'm gonna try and uh piggyback with another group. So go out and look, you know, hopefully the people that follow me will come along and hopefully the people that follow you will come along and between us we can, you know, sort of do it that way to make it worthwhile. Because you know, I have done two gigs recently. Um, where are we now? October, yeah, I've done two gigs this month just as uh, a supporting friend of mine. Um, But I did that uh, singing and playing guitar with uh, backing tracks for the rest of it because I said to him, my music doesn't really translate to sitting there with an acoustic guitar. You know, it's some maybe, but not all of it. So I kind of did it that way. And that that was a sort of testing of the water. But And talking to the venues there, they're saying they are starting to see the numbers creep back up um and for what we had come out to see us for those shows they were saying it was really really good but then it was still you know half half full um so i think there's just going to be a little bit of time yet to see see that get back because it it needs to be worthwhile you know i'm gonna have to hire people to Mm -hmm. to play i'm gonna have to you know hire out um rehearsal rooms and travel costs and all of that stuff so it's it's a big outlay to say okay i'm doing these dates because i have to pay for it
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding anytime you're using your own money it's uh it's something you have to seriously consider yeah
0: exactly
1: uh declan burke life in two dimensions this came out uh, in september i i've enjoyed learning about this uh the making of this album i enjoyed listening to it quite a bit and i well, hope it does you. really well for you i hope i, I hope that it sells well and, and that people find it and um you know I, I wish you the best of luck with it and i really appreciate your time today.
0: Thanks, Michael. It's an absolute pleasure and and really nice to talk to you.
1: Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logographic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon, at patreon.com/slash Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.